There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. The rock band Clutch performs live in D.C. twice this week, first at the Atlantis on Thursday, then at the Anthem on Friday. I spoke to lead singer Neil Fallon about growing up in Montgomery County, Maryland, and forming the band with his high school buddies to record hits like Electric Worry. Jason? Neil Fallon, hey, thanks so much for joining us on WTOP. Thank you for having me. We're talking because uh, Clutch, uh, the famous local hometown hero band, we'll say, <laughs> um, is uh, is coming to rock the Atlantis on July 20th, a new venue, um, and then the Anthem the next day on July 21st. Um, uh, yeah, talk about how exciting that is, because, like, you know, the, the Atlantis has only been open for, gosh, maybe, like, only a month. I think the Foo Fighters opened it, like, May 30th, something like that. Um, and then, of course, the Anthem is one of the coolest venues of the last couple years that opened by IMP. But, yeah, how excited are you that, that you're getting to, you know, basically help open a new place? It's 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 cool. It's um, I haven't been to the Atlantis. I've heard nothing but great things about it. Um, and uh, the Anthem, we've had... Uh, we performed there once before, and I've seen, uh, as a spectator, um, plenty of bands there. And it's, it's both a great place to be a performer and to see a performance, which sometimes can be a rarity in, uh, in venues. But this one was purpose-built and uh, by some of the best in the business. Oh, yeah. I was at that opening show. What was it? it was, oh, f- speaking of Foo Fighters, they opened the anthem as well, and the Struts uh, opened for them, and we just interviewed Luke Spiller of the Struts. Uh, so, uh, Clutch, you're in, you're in good company here on T.O.P., uh, but yeah, I mean, the Atlantis, well, it's sort of, it's supposed to be like a like a replica of the original 930 Club location before they, they moved over to the new spot, but did you have any, you know, memories of, of going to that original 930, or, or the new 930 for that matter? Um, yeah, oh, yeah, I do. Um, and I think I was probably who late 16, early 17 when I saw my first band there. Um, when I was my my parents finally relented and said, "Fine, you can go downtown, get out of our hair." <laughs> and I remember I remember those shows better than some of you know anything I saw online yesterday because it was such a such an impression and there was such an intensity and you know when you're younger and things are new you're you're absorbing things for the first time and um i think it set the bar so high in some ways that it's been hard to live up to and i i saw uh the bad brains there was one of my earliest shows and that left a lasting impression um and i have very fond memories of coming home smelling terrible with with ringing ears but um those are very uh very fond memories regardless of the of the noise 
<laughs> that's such a good point that that those live memories of going to shows growing up sticks in your brain um even if they were like older buildings or whatever it doesn't matter like it's just it makes an impression like you said that's better than whatever you just watched online because i feel like the stuff that comes at us online is just like we're so inundated by digital content now that it's just like it all, it just kind of, you know, all runs together after a while. That's such a good, good point. We're social creatures too. And I think you can't, um, you can't, unless you're in a room with other bodies, you know, it, it's, it, it, it's not, it's nowhere near the same. It, it's kind of a, a, a sorry uh, imitation. Uh, not to say that it doesn't serve its purposes, but live music is hundreds of thousands of years old. And I, I think that there's a human like, instinct to kind of gravitate towards groups and listen to a, a common beat absolutely yes let's use these awesome new digital you know the technology as, as tools to promote the live shows but you got to go out to the live shows folks uh and and rock out with with clutch um well we we should tell everybody you know the, the reason obviously that you're able to have all these local dc 930 club memories and all that good stuff is because you were born uh nearby you were born in what portsmouth virginia in, in 1971 so like what what all did you i mean you said you went to the bad brains but what all else did you did you listen to growing up like what were your musical sparks that that kicked it off for you well i think you know, like a lot of people <clears throat> my you know parents record collection was the first thing i remember and those, those were a lot of the usual suspects like the beatles and dylan and whatnot uh, yeah a lot of folk music and then the stuff that you heard on the radio growing up in the 80s around here was you know dc 101 and q107 whatever was playing on that um and then uh not to date myself <laughs> but uh Go for it. <laughs> the, uh, the, but then when you turn, you know, 15, 16 years old, uh, kids want to form their own, their own identity, whether it be the way they dress or who they hang out with or, or the music they listen to. And I was one of those and, um, who kind of saw music as an as a important part of becoming who I am. Uh, and I'm still trying to figure that out. But I think... Um, I didn't have an I didn't have an older brother or sister to to introduce me to stuff, so I kind of relied on other people's older brothers and sisters. And by then, it was okay. Here's here's Black Flag, or here's Minor Threat, or here's Fugazi, or um, and it, looking back, I think I took it for granted that we grew up in such a fertile music scene. I just kind of assumed, you know, every city had something like this, and that's not the case. Uh, it's it's a really unique scene that has its you know it had its punk rock hardcore scene had its metal scene it had of course its go-go scene uh and in the 80s it was a really um it was an exciting time and uh those are some, some of the initial things but you know going back to what i said about you know digital one of the good things about it is now suddenly i realize that i know so very little about music because i've only scratched the surface and I try to listen to as many different kinds of things I can. Uh, life's too short to kind of box yourself into a subgenre. Absolutely. Yes. That's the good thing of the internet is, we, is to be able to keep discovering and peeling back as after you've scratched the surface. Well then, uh, sorry. So then if you were, if you were born in, in Portsmouth, Virginia, how did you end up hooking up with the guys in, 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 uh, I guess, cause the band formed in 91 in, in Germantown. Uh, but when did you hook up with those guys? Like how did that meeting happen? Uh, well, my dad was in the Navy. That's why I was born in Portsmouth. And I only lived there, in, you know, in my, the first year of my life. Okay. Then I lived out in, out in the West, 
in Washington State for a long time. And my dad was only supposed to come out here for a year assignment. And I think that's a very common story uh, in the, the DMV is you're supposed to only be here for a year or two, and then you end up spending 40. Um, <laughs> so we, we moved to Gaithersburg. Um, and then I went to eventually went to, to Seneca and I met John Paul, uh, basically because my last name starts with F and his starts with G. So you kind of got the same homeroom and then you were next <laughs> to each other in the locker commons. Uh, <laughs> And, That's hilarious. Uh, Dan Dan lived in the same neighborhood that we eventually moved into, and I didn't know Tim too well until after high school because he was a a year ahead of us. Um, and it was a it was a big school. Uh, I forget exactly how many kids there, but it was easy yeah. to to not meet people because it was g- ginormous. Yeah. Um, but then uh, we just kind of been knuckleheads about it ever since, and just haven't quit. Now, I was uh, riffing one more Seneca Valley thing. I was riffing with um, uh, was Mark Bryan of Hootie and the Blowfish who, who went to Seneca. Um, did, you, did you happen to cross paths or is that different? I guess a different timeline. Yeah, I think they were maybe a year or two ahead of us. Um, I, do, uh, I do believe Dave Dowling, who was in Jim, Jimmy's Chicken Shack, we were both in junior rotc together um but i could be wrong i I should have researched this before this interview (laughs) no that's okay that's okay well cool and then didn't you go to university of maryland like was it an english uh like a literature degree something like that did that help is that why you have such good song lyrics man did the the english background (laughs) well thank you for saying that and yes that is correct i went to college park um and got a degree in english which i kind of I didn't really have a plan. I just thought maybe I would continue going to school or maybe teach because an English degree can be, it, it's pretty vague. Uh, and I think I, I was very fortunate uh, to luck out in a career that I can use what I learned. And uh, I love words. Just, I think words you, you can use just like you use notes and, more, and when you string them together, they have rhythms and, um, I always kind of pay close. I've always paid close attention to what's being said in the song because I, I find them to be little, little movies that can last anywhere from two minutes to 20 minutes. And uh, I still, it's the most frustrating thing in the world. I, I pull my hair out every time I do it, but when, and sometimes I keep on changing them, but it's also the most satisfying thing to kind of scratch that creative itch. Absolutely. Well, I want to go into some of the the creative itches you scratched, some of the songs you wrote. But real quick, you you, you do real. You're talking to our our WTOP movie critic too, and you said they're like little movies. So I want to know, like, what is what is Neil Fallon's? You know, what is your go to movie? Like, what is your all time favorite flick? All time. Oh boy, I'm I'm gonna say the one I have like juvenile nostalgia for is Aliens. Oh, so I good. Mean, I, it doesn't get old. I, I saw it so many times in the theater. Um, probably my favorite movie of all time and then you're talking about the sequel kind of more, the james cameron sequel right yeah i mean i yeah. love alien but i was gosh 16 or 17 years old when that movie came out and it was just perfect for that kind of uh <laughs> that demographic so to speak game and, over uh, man yeah my wife and i always have a, yeah. a alien versus predator debate i'm i'm an alien camp she's a predator camp i mean we they're both great obviously but yes that's our internal debate in our house <laughs> 
yeah, that, that's, a, that's a fair debate, but I'm, I'm with you on aliens. Um, in more contemporary, I'm, I, I think um, No Country for Old Men is probably my most favorite movie that's come out in recent times. It's so um, good. So good. I'm Coen a, Brothers, love, masterpiece. It, uh, Cormac McCarthy is my, probably my favorite writer. And, you know, to be able to actually adapt one of his books and make it convincing is a feat unto itself. But it's just beautifully shot. Uh, the acting is phenomenal. And uh, I just love I love movies that <clears throat> have a lot of uh, silence in it and a lot of quiet, you know, and not rely on just endless dialogue to explain everything. And uh, so, yeah, that, that and there's so many of my other favorite movies that are Coen Brothers movies as well. But that's that's numero uno. Oh, yeah. I mean, Fargo, Big Lebowski, they're, they're just all timers. Uh, but yeah, No Country for Old Men, you mentioned like the silence and they're just what they do, like with painting visual, like symbolism, like when Anton Chigurh walks in and, and holds up the, you know, the call it friendo, that guy that what is he like the convenience store guy or the whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And in the background, there's like all those little cables hanging behind him. They look, they almost look like nooses. Like it's like the, there's just like so much visual symbolism going on in that movie. It is a masterpiece. Rest in peace. Cormac McCarthy just died, I guess. But um yeah right, well, i think about a month or two yeah yeah well we've that ties into your your literary background english degree at, at, at terps uh but yes we've we've officially uh tangented <laughs> but uh <laughs> my listeners will kill me if we don't at least ask some some music questions uh they're like we didn't hear to hear neil talk about movies but <laughs> I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game, and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Um, tell me about that first one, that Transnational Speedway League. You recorded that out, out in San Fran, but then the next one, Clutch, was at Uncle Punchy Studios here in Silver Spring. Like, what? Tell me, just take me into the sort of like why you guys went out to San Fran for that first one, but then came back home to do the second one. Um, Anthony, I, the, the first one we did, well, first of all, we didn't know any better. We thought, yeah, that, that's, that's a totally practical and rational idea to get in a van and drive 2,000 miles to a studio. <laughs> um but the um i think it was basic that studio uh razor's edge was owned by jonathan burnside and he did a lot of uh the the melvin's records back then and we were huge fans of the melvin's particularly of the drum sound and a lot of times that's the the main purpose of going to a specific studio is to get that drum sound and jp wanted wanted that and um now, speaking for myself, I mean, I hadn't written any lyrics. I, to be honest, I didn't know what the hell I was doing when we were in, in the studio. I'd never been in that environment before. Um, so I think, and also I, creatively, we were trying to get find ourselves still. And I, th I think it was the, the next record, the self-titled record, where we kind of found the sound that we are more or less kind of still pursuing in, in different tacks. 
Gotcha. Gotcha. And yeah. And just being a local guy myself, I always like seeing your albums. You always have sort of this DMV. There's some, I don't know. I'm sure seeing the influences like uh, the clutch, the self-titled one you're mentioning has, I have the body of John Wilkes Booth. Um, Elephant Riders is sort of like, I don't know what you would even say, like alternate civil war history with spaceships and stuff. But like, do you find that, you know, this, this journey through hallowed grounds, civil war corridor seeping in and a lot of your stuff. Um, yes and no. I mean, I think there's creative phases. Um, I mean, speaking of that, that song, I have the body of John Wilkes Booth. I was struggling for lyrics and the Washington city paper, uh, had a article i think it was on the cover that was about the location of john wilkes booth and i was i just found like okay here th this is good enough we'll, we'll go with that and i like you know writing a song you're given license to write a little fiction and i'm certainly not an expert on anything and um the civil war bit that that was when we were in the uh doing the elephant riders we were living in a house uh close to Harper's Ferry. West Virginia. Very, very old. Yeah, 1780 it was built and it was, it, it had played a big part in that. And I just kind of, there's there's a, there's a strange, uh, I don't uh, darkness isn't not right the word. There's just the ominous, the ominous vibe there. And I, I'm not yeah. really a ghost person, but I do think a, a, a location can absorb the, the collective energies of what happens there and yeah. um that's i have the body of john it, brown uh, <laughs> yeah to john you know that that was the other you know different john aspect. there's so many different aspects of it and um it gets glossed over, and i really got knee deep into it just because it was so new to me and um yeah it, it was a cool it was a cool place for single guys to live uh, because it was cheap and it was disgusting and we can make as much noise as we wanted, but I would never move back there. <laughs> that, that should go on the West Virginia wild and wonderful. <laughs> well, when I say there, I just mean that house was, was, Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Well, I don't want to don't... Don't disaffect the good people of West Virginia. Oh, it's a, it's a great, beautiful, beautiful state. You were talking about the, that house, that hundred year old house alone, folks. And don't get it twisted. Uh, well, we don't have time to go through all the songs, obviously, but um, I, I want to ask about immortal from pure rock fury. I think that even showed up in some video games, like some, a younger generation probably is discovering it through that stuff. But uh, yeah. Any memories of writing immortal or, or just that album in general? Yeah, that um, was actually, excuse me, was a, a kind of a, I don't know, a collaboration between between us and Leslie West of Mountain fame. Uh, Jason Cossero, who was recording us, was friends with Leslie and said uh, that he, he and we would make a good team. So Leslie came in and he had this riff and we wrote the song. And uh, it was years later, I was listening to, like a, a mountain compilation and there it was so it wasn't it, it, the riff that is he had just kind of i don't know if he had forgotten that he had already written a song with that riff or just <laughs> didn't care but uh it, it appears in two songs I, I i forget the uh i think it's called i'm going down it's the name of the the mountain song or maybe it's a leslie west solo song you're talking about uh, leslie west cool. of Ma as in mississippi queen that, that mountain you were, were wrote that with leslie yes. west of mountain that's correct. Yes. 
That is freaking awesome. I had, had no idea. Well, there you go, folks. You pick up cool clutch tidbits, although I'm sure your diehards already knew that, but I think it's cool. <laughs> All right. And maybe time for one more before we, I want to get to your new album too, but Electric Worry, I have to talk about that. That is from Beale Street to Oblivion in 07. It's such a badass song. Um, if, if no one's ever heard of clutch that you can just put that on and riding down the road and that bang, 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 vamanos, vamanos. It is, uh, it is like, you can just feel the sweat flying through the radio. <laughs> uh, what was it? I guess it's sort of like a quasi cover of like a muddy waters riff, but yeah, just, just, uh, t- take me into the recording of that. It is, it is, a, it's an all timer for me, man. Well, thank you. It's, um, it started as with actually a Mississippi Fred McDowell song, more or less, but a lot of those old kind of borrowed from each other and there's similar lyrics and some and similar riffs and different songs but uh i had been messing around with learning that uh that mississippi fred mcdowell song and then we kind of made this hybrid of his song and in our tune and uh had eric oblender on harp and uh, mick on keys and uh for whatever you know and i remember recording it thinking this is a kind of a weird song do we even want to put it on the album mm-hmm. and it, go, it goes to show that sometimes the person that is, is too close to to hear it at points uh because it has since become you know our biggest song we can play that you know in festivals in europe and that's the one everyone knows uh so it's uh it's, it's still a fun song to play we play it almost every night uh just because a lot of I think people that come to see us for the first time really want to hear that and sure maybe people have seen us numbers of times have heard enough but you try to please as as many people as you can yes give the people what they want you know what I mean I that's I think that's smart well let's tease before we run let's tease the latest album uh Sunrise on Slaughter Beach I mean I know folks there's 13 studio albums and like five live albums bunch of compilations like there's no way we don't have time to do all of them but I want to give you a chance to tease the Sunrise on on Slaughter Beach uh how how have you been enjoying playing that one live have have you had a good reaction from from the diehards or you know uh, how did that actually even come together I guess during probably during COVID uh, we have spent a good deal of that period live streaming, and it wasn't until um, at the end of it that we started writing a record. And I had intended not to write a record that was in any way dark or, or kind of reflect the mood of uh, the pandemic. It started writing what I thought were pretty upbeat lyrics, but then eventually it started getting darker and darker. And I think that's just because you can't fight your subconscious. <laughs> um, it, it's a very... Uh, it's a pretty dark record. Uh, the, the title is uh, borrowed uh, from Slaughter Beach, Delaware, which is just north of kind of Lewis and Rehoboth. And my family and I vacation up there every once in a while. And oh, nice. I just thought the name Slaughter Beach was the most metal sounding getaway that you could hope for. Uh, that's a pretty cool part of this area is that section of the Delaware Bay. There's a lot of just there's a lot of history there that's been overgrown by swamp and marshland. And um, that's one of them. And it was inspired by a kind of a, a late night walk along the beach amongst the ghost crabs and horseshoe crabs. And it, it's a, it's a cool spot. Awesome. And that album also had Nosferatu Madre. So there now that's how we bring it back to our movie references, my friend. <laughs> Nosferatu. Um, 
Awesome. Well, uh, everyone check out that album and, and check out the, the concerts. Um, uh, anything else you want to say uh, about the upcoming show? You know, tell our listeners to come out to, to the Atlantis and, and the Anthem, you know, and why it's going to be such a, a kick-ass pair of shows. Um, it's going to be it, these, these shows are usually the most nerve wracking because I, I recognize a lot of people in the audience because they're hometown shows. Um, but I think that makes it fun because a lot of people uh, recognize each other because it's local and they've been coming here for years. Um, I will say it, it is bittersweet. One person that will not be there is Gus, who is the, the house sound guy for 930 club who mm-hmm. passed away just a couple weeks before the opening of the new club. And he was, instrumental in kind of getting that thing together and he was also the first person to ever mix clutch he mixed us at fort reno uh in dc in 1991 and countless other times so it it, it, but i guess in in some ways he'll always live on in that that not only our memories but the building itself both the the 930 club and you know the new club so people will be enjoying his his hard work and and genius for many 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 years to come absolutely yes gus's spirit will live on in all of these uh, amp venues and for years to come and so hey thank you so much for a wide-ranging conversation i didn't know we would get into everything we did but thank you thank you so much for doing this and i before we run after why do you love living in silver spring let's end there you know because you know wtop is like a beltway kind of a thing so why is silver spring such a kick-ass place to to sort of live with the family you mean you've gained fame and fortune and probably could live wherever and tour wherever but why do you what keeps you staying in silver spring well, I, my, my wife had been working uh, years ago as a dental assistant in Chevy Chase, and there was no way we were going to ever be able to live in Chevy Chase. But <laughs> we had to live close to where she could work, and I can live anywhere. Um, and Silver Spring, and so we ended up eventually, we Tacoma Park and then Silver Spring, uh, and we probably, you know, could have moved anywhere as well, but we had a kid and then the kid makes friends and the kid starts going to school. And once that happens, yeah, um, to uproot oneself, it can be very, very difficult. But thankfully, um, I don't feel that it's to do that because it's a pretty, it's a pretty cool town. It's got a little bit of everything. It's, it's close to DC and, um, and I dig it here. Yeah, you got the AFI Silver Theater, baby. You know they might, you know, they might have No Country for Old Men or Aliens playing soon. You never know. <laughs> they they put on great movies. I love it there. Oh, yeah, so many greats. All right, well, you've been very generous with your time, Neil Fallon of Clutch. Uh, the band is coming to rock the new Atlantis venue uh, July twentieth, and then uh, at the Anthem, another awesome spot on on July twenty first. So everybody, get your tickets now. Hey, Neil, thank you so much. This was so much fun. Hey, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time.